On today's episode, we continue the conversation about ministry. In our churches, we love to use big words. We obfuscate our pedagogy through superfluous grandiloquence, manifesting hubris instead of demureness. See what I mean? Inconceivable. While I might have a speech impediment, I certainly do not want to have a preach impediment. These get in the way of God's message reaching our hearts and minds. Let's dig through those big words and learn something incredible. Before we get started in today's topic, let me remind you to go and check out EdenHollow.com. This is the company I started to start publishing some Bible study guides and spiritual books, but we're starting to branch out into some fiction and even talking to some other authors. We'd love to have you check out what's going on at EdenHollow.com. Now let's jump into today's episode. On the previous episode, I sat down with Edwin, Terry, and Keith. And we had some conversations about what it means to be a minister. There was so much to this conversation we had that I just couldn't bear to not share the whole thing with you. So today in part two of our conversation, you will hear more about what we love about the ministry and what we find frustrating about the ministry. And you'll find that our answers are pretty common across the board which lets us see that the the troubles of ministry and the blessings of ministry are often the same. Enjoy. So let me ask a two-part question. We'll kind of handle these one by one, but what has been the most difficult aspect of your work as a minister and what has been the most rewarding? We'll start with with difficult and then we'll move on to rewarding. Let's start with Keith because he hasn't spoke for a while. So Keith, what's been the most difficult part of your ministry? In just brutal honesty here, um, loving people. I wish that I could say that it was something else. Um, but that's one of those things that I don't know how you prepare for that, to step into a role where people will undoubtedly be hypercritical of you. They'll be hypercritical of your spouse. They'll be hypercritical of your family because you are in the role that you're in, especially here where we live in, in in the Bible belt, so to speak, you know, there, there are expectations that come upon uh, ministers and their families uh, that exceed that sometimes of elders uh, in, in people's minds. They, 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 they put you in this place that, that puts you under the microscope. And uh, I didn't realize how hard it would be to love people when they aren't necessarily loving towards you. Um, and it's it's been a it's it's been a I'll, I'll say it's been a labor uh, to to really learn how to do that. And I and I think that it it's in some ways it's been the hardest part. But the second part of your question is the most rewarding part is the same thing, loving people, because overcoming that that personal hurdle that I had for loving difficult people. Um, it's been really difficult, but it's also been the most rewarding. Most often, the most difficult challenges are the most rewarding. And so that's that's both parts of my answer. Okay. Edwin? The most difficult aspect of the ministry for me has been my relationship with Terry Francis. <laughs> Agreed. But, uh, but the most Agreed. rewarding has also Changed been my, my relationship answer. with Terry Francis. <laughs> no, one of us had to make that joke about somebody, so I wanted yes. to get it in first. 
But you know, the most difficult aspect in in reality for me, um, while I'm going to choose something a little bit different, I am going to kind of do the same thing that Keith did. It's this. It's the the difficult and the rewarding are kind of both uh, in the same vein. For me, the most difficult aspect of ministry uh, is having to tell someone something I know they don't want to hear, and then watching them decide not to follow it, or having told them here's what it is and and they don't follow it, or they've accepted and they've been baptized, but now here we are two years later and they're abandoning. That is the most difficult aspect of ministry is, is walking for me is watching, watching folks that I've poured my life into and my soul and my prayers and my teaching turn away from Jesus, not give their allegiance to him or betray their allegiance to him. And that's, that's even worse. But the most rewarding thing is watching people give allegiance to Jesus and and knowing that Jesus let me be a part of that. Mm-hmm. I understand that God is the one who gives the increase. I'm not the one who gives the increase, but but he he's let me be a part of that process again and again and again. And that's that's the most rewarding part of it. Okay. Terry. Man, those are those are all great answers. I I think well, maybe slightly the same, slightly different. It's it is it is so disappointing to week in, week out, try to figure out how to motivate people to actually turn their heart to the Lord and do something. And and to see them, at least in what you can see and what you know, and I, that sounds harsh, but to feel like, based on all the evidence you see, that they're just warming the pew and that it's just a habitual church is what we do on Sunday morning and and moving beyond that where you're actually living this faith seven days a week is trying to get people to do that. And, and I mean, I, I, th- I take very seriously, I've mentioned the features four several times. That's, that's a big part of our responsibility. I mean, our lessons should be geared towards getting people to do more for the Lord, to serve the Lord. And just to see that they'd rather serve everything else, but that at least from what you can see, they'd rather serve everything else than that is extremely disappointing. And that's not about, that's not about responses to the invitation or baptisms or restorations. That's just about seeing people actually do something to change their life. And like the other guys, the most rewarding part is when you see that, when you see somebody do that, when you see somebody, when you see somebody who's, who's been somebody who's been kind of dormant, kind of a pew warmer at times. Um, that happened about a year ago with a good close friend of mine. We were friends already, but I mean, he's a believer, but he would, but his, when his wife got leukemia, and almost died and was basically in a coma for weeks. And we talked every day and prayed every day over the phone and met for lunches. And then for him to call me up and say, well, I I guess I'm going to have to do something more than just come to church now because of what God's done for my wife. And, And I'm so thankful for that change in him. Now, you know, it took a tragedy, I think, to make that change. I guess sometimes I look at that and it's rewarding to see that at the same time I'm like, how how can we how can we do this without the tragedy? That's to get back to the disappointing side. And so um but I guess that's where I'm at on that. So it's interesting to me, all three of y'all's answers dealt with the difficulty of dealing with people and the reward of dealing with people. Uh and whether that be dealing with people who are brethren or dealing with people who are or from the world, or, you know, uh, you know, I, I hear other answers. Uh, some of my most difficult moments in the past have been dealing with the leaders in the church um, and, and just the difficulties that come from that. Or uh, some of my hardest moments have been 
um, just like y'all said, walking, watching people walk away. It, you know, but when things work the way God intends them to work, it is one of the most beautiful things you would ever see. I've been amazed by by God's plan. You know, there are times when, as a preacher, I sit there and wonder, what was God thinking? Why would God set it up this way? But then when it actually works, you're sitting there going, how in the world could we ever not do it this way? Like, this is amazing to see the way God has set this up. And uh, that it's just such a rewarding thing. Yeah, I remember, I don't know, 10 years or so ago, there was a song uh, called When Love Takes Over. And um, that's that's the, the song that I, I sing in my head. I, I'm one of those people, obviously, that I relate everything to a, to a song, a shape, or a color, right? And whenever I see that sort of thing happen, that's the first thing I do is I sing that in my head, the, the chorus to When Love Takes Over. Because you see, you see a transition happen when someone starts walking by the Spirit. There's, there's, there's a notable difference in everything that they do. And you can almost, you can almost say, well, this day you were like this, and this day is the day that love took over. Inquiring minds want to know, uh, describe your typical day. What does a typical day in the life of a, a preacher or minister look like? Because you know the old joke is two days a week, so all we work. So, <laughs> well, it's three not hours. even full days for some of us. Some of us only yeah, have one hours. service, so that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anybody on this panel that preaches besides Adam that preaches twice a week. So let's just let's be careful there. Not anymore. Yeah. Not anymore. In fact, sometimes I wonder how on earth did I do that. Yeah, but, uh, we 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 do what we're called to do, and uh, what's asked of like us, we me, make it work. You do it poorly. That that's how you do it. So. <laughs> Not true. Well, I think the issue of the typical day is that there is just no typical day. Um, you know, there there are some days that are spent. I get to study all day, and prepare, and uh, then there's some days I get to write all day, and then there's some days. Where, you know, like tomorrow, I get to uh, have a meeting with a fellow who's struggling at 630. I'm supposed to record a podcast episodes at nine o'clock will last about two hours. I get to have lunch with a brother who's who's also um, you know, de- having some questions, dealing with some things, trying to help do some mentoring. Um, I get to meet with a sister and her husband who is, I think, being pulled away by some false teaching. And then I'm supposed to preach tomorrow night at a congregation across town. And so that's that's a pretty full day. All this week, Monday through Wednesday, we've had our vacation Bible school in the morning. So I've been involved in that. And a lot of preparation time is taken away because of that. On Monday, we were having VBS and then smack in the middle of VBS, got a text from one of our members that one of our sisters who's in the nursing home possibly had a stroke and was at the hospital. So had to go, uh, you know, we were in VBS while that call came in. I had some appointments with some guys at noon to, to work and study and then immediately go into the hospital and then writing some stuff in order to prepare for podcasts and trying to prepare to preach on Thursday night, all of that in one day. I think the typical day is that there is no typical day. Uh, the one thing I wish were more typical that I want to work on is that I typically wake up thinking I've got too much to do today. I'll pray later. Uh, I really, uh, I'm working on my typical day beginning with prayer in the word devotion and when I let that be my typical day, when my day starts typically starting like that, everything else does go better. I struggle with the same thing. 
I'm a creature of habit. So, I mean, my, my day is typically structured the same way. Uh, because I have to also because I'm bivocational, you know, I, I'm, I'm fully supported at Fultondale, <clears throat> but the support, uh, doesn't meet all of our needs. And so I have to work outside of that. Um, and, um, the type of work that I do, we, we get started early. So I typically get up about 4am every day so that I can have my quiet time to read and to study, you know, and to, to get my thoughts together. And, and, and I'm, you know, not a, not a humble brag or anything, but I've, I've the last three years, I've really made it a point to incorporate prayer into that time too. And it, and you're right, Evan, it's made a tremendous difference in my, how the rest of my day goes, because anything that happens after that, I've, I've already sort of prepared myself and it's, it's made a huge difference in the way that I interact with my family when I get home and I'm, I've, I've had one of those days. But from 4 a.m. to 6 a.m., that's what I do. By 7, I'm out uh, on the job, whatnot. I try to wrap up all that stuff around by, by lunchtime if I can uh, so that it frees my afternoons up for studies with, with people. I've got two studies going right now. Um, and I, I, that also gives me time to work on class material and any sermon ideas that I'm kind of chugging on as I go through the week. I, I typically, my Saturday is my sermon day. Where I've worked a little bit on it all week, and then Saturday is the day that I actually put it all together. Uh, and I, I hate doing it that way. Unfortunately, I just don't, because I'm bivocational, I, I can't commit much time to it. Where the wrench goes into the day when it gets thrown in is when is when something does go wrong. Someone needs me beyond what I've already got planned. And then I'm trying to finagle my time and 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 be flexible and, and that sort of thing. And so... Um, that's so that that that's where my day doesn't stay typical, but for the most part, it starts at four a.m. and it ends at ten p.m. every day. Terry, well, I guess my day is never typical. I think, but uh, I'm not bivocational. I'm the primary caregiver for my mom who's in hospice, so uh, that there's some requirements there. I have to be home um, unless my oldest is at home, like today, where he can take care of things. I'm usually home by lunchtime to take care of her. So in the mornings is when I'm most productive. It's when I go to my office. I can get away from the house and get away from all the distractions. I can get away from people calling my name and dogs and laundry and all that kind of stuff. Um, and come in and really focus on reading and studying. And, you know, right now I'm, I'm printing and preparing books for the next quarter. That's part of my job. Working on the website, always posting podcasts as part of, or the sermons to the links. I do that every week. I mean, you, you like Edwin said, the only thing that's typical is that it's not typical. Um, I'm blessed here where I don't have as many probably emergencies. I've got there's one of our elders that's retired and is is able to handle a lot of that stuff more than me, and especially with my mom and the situation I'm in, it's been a blessing. But I, I get up every morning like Keith. I'm I'm up at five every morning. Um, try to spend some quiet time reading and and praying before seven, but. Um, and then at night, try to spend time with my family. I still have three kids living at home and trying to, I mean, I think one of the things to remember, at least I've tried to pay attention to, and I think Keith and Edward are like this too. And I know you are, Adam, is part of my ministry is my family. I, I can't, That's right. I can't put the evangelist part of my ministry above my own family. That's part of the work before me and I've got to take care of them. So that's, that's a challenge as well. So, you know, it's balancing 
all of those things. We've got a couple of studies right now. I mean, every Friday morning, we have a study at seven o'clock in the morning. So you got to be, you know, so it's, it's just, there's not a typical day. And I think the other thing that everyone's kind of pointing to is the most frustrating days are when you have a plan and then something happens like did to Edwin the other day with the, the sister at the hospital. And then everything that you planned on doing is, is not going to happen today, which means it gets bumped to another day. And so you had tomorrow set aside to write Bible class material, but now that's going to be all the things you were supposed to do yesterday and the writing of the Bible class material you're trying to get done. Because, you know, I used to joke around that uh, I, I had a, well, when Adam and I worked together, we had a, a secretary there and I joked around when she first came on board and said, just as long as you're here every Friday at 1030 when FedEx delivers the sermon envelope, we're good because I only work four hours a week. You know, we laughed about that because <laughs> that's what some people think. It's not it's not like we get it's not like that. Just people listen. To this. It's not like your preacher got an outline directly from God to get up and preach to you Sunday morning. Like there's I think one of the things to keep in mind, and it's like Edwin talked about earlier. I, I probably don't know. I, I didn't do as good a job when I was preaching twice a week for sure. Um, I probably spend, I used to spend eight hours minimum to, for a sermon. Probably now it's at least 10 hours, maybe 12 minimum for a sermon. That's minimum. That doesn't, and that's in one week. That doesn't count the stuff led up to that and the planning and all that other stuff. So uh, there's a lot of work that goes into that. A ton of work that goes into that. Well, and I'm, I kind of keep, uh, again, uh, every day is different, but I, I, I have to have those habitual moments like Keith. So I get up at four 30 in the morning and go straight to the office. And I work from four 30 to about seven 30 or eight and pretty much get all, get most of my office work done in, in that period of time, because I know my days are going to be different and thrown out of whack and something's going to come up with the family or with a member, or uh, I'm going to be needed somewhere. And um, if I'm not, I get extra office time, which is awesome. Uh, but if I, am it's it's not a big deal because i can uh, just keep moving forward i don't think i stay as uh busy as some of you guys though so that that's i, I can pat myself on the back for that i think so i can remember that our most productive conversations between adam and i when we worked together at the same work were at 5 30 in the morning ta- text exchanges <laughs> we were both up and cup of coffee in hand and rolling through stuff i mean uh I sometimes that's what it takes you're ruining my alone time every time yeah well, <laughs> You liked it. All right. Uh, <laughs> so if you could change one aspect of your work, what would it be? Oh, I would definitely not be bivocational. I wish that all I had to do was was ministry. Uh, I mean, I tried that the first two years when I first moved here because I really wanted to dedicate myself. And I'm glad I did that because it did get me in some good habits uh, as far as work goes. You know, when you're when you work from you know, home office like I do. And instead of going to the building, there's too much freedom and, uh, you know, kind of committing myself to those, those, those days early on helped me kind of develop a good work ethic. But I wish I long for even just to, just to be involved in ministry and ministry alone. Um, if I could change anything, that would be it. Oh, wow. To me, that's a tough question. Cause I'm, I'm really content. If, if I guess if I could change anything, probably me or anything else. I think the biggest flaw in my ministry is me. <laughs> um, I mean, from from this standpoint, I mean, one of the one of the funny things is I tell my kids I hate to read. Like everybody in my family but me reads for pleasure. I do not read for pleasure. 
Same here. Um, I don't either. Yeah, and I literally read like Edwin is a book nerd. Okay, we're best friends, and he loves to read for pleasure. And don't don't come at me with books. Like I don't even like to. He's been trying to get me to buy one book for three years. Oh, good least. night. Way longer than three years. And I just three years. I've been to, here for eight years, and I tried to tell you about it while I was still in Indiana. Yeah. Uh, hey, maybe that. And we're not talking about Lord of the Rings here, guys. We're talking about a really good spiritual book that he needs to read. (laughs) I'm not going to read Lord (laughs) of the Rings or watch it for that matter. Um, but I, I guess I just wish, like, I wish I enjoyed reading more. I do enjoy learning, and um, when I sit down and force myself, I really love seeing the interconnectivity of the scriptures and the different things and the way they all fit together and, um. And I have, I think one of the beautiful things is where I'm at now, I have more time to do that than I did at my last work because of so many administrative responsibilities. But I just, I think me personally is the biggest thing that needs to change in my ministry. Okay. Edwin? So first of all, before you give your answer, Edwin, what is the name of the book you've been trying to get Terry to read? Peacemaker. The Peacemaker by Ken Sandy. Okay. I think everybody should read that book. I think uh, every preacher should read that book. I'm a book, book nerd too, so I need to know what book has to go on my list. Yes, so. yes, The right. Peacemaker by Ken Sandy. It's I amazing. did read other books that he told me about, like Leadership and Self-Deception. And so just to be clear, but he has been so annoying about The Peacemaker <laughs> that it's become the Lord of the Rings in book form for me. I will never read that book now because of it. He did that to me this morning on my drive to the office, dropped The Peacemaker, like slip in today. <laughs> The struggle that I have with this question is very akin to Terry's struggle in that I kind of am afraid to answer it because I feel like probably the response should be, well, then Edwin, change it. <laughs> that That's actually something you could change, Edwin. Why don't you change it? Why, talking about managing my time, uh, connecting with people better. Those are all things that actually uh, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I can't change that courage to change the things I can and the wisdom of the difference. So I'm trying to think of, uh, honestly, when it comes to things where it's like, oh, if you could change this and, but, but, but I can't, it's actually, I, I would change what I did 20 years ago. And so for, I, I guess I'll go ahead and share this just for those who are listening that uh, folks who are getting into preaching right now, I tell you what I wish. I wish I had spent a lot more time studying, recording my notes so that I could remember them when I'm older instead of thinking I was always going to remember them so that I could have a good filing system of, you know, and, and whether I was able to do that through Logos or through a filing cabinet, either way, I wish I had done it. I, I wish I had, because now it's, it's so often I feel like I'm having to reinvent the wheel all the time. I'm like, I studied that before, but I don't remember what I thought about it. I don't remember. I, okay. I remember my conclusion, but I don't remember why I came to that conclusion. And maybe there's some good things to that. We we often need to, to restudy. So I, I guess there's some benefits that have come from it. But I do wish that in the early years, some of the things I had spent more time studying and learning, which would have had me, um, I think would allow me a lot more time now to do the the work of working with people and and serving better in just the relationships now that I'm having to spend the time, well, I got to get this sermon written and I don't, I got to study this passage and Wish I'd done that 20 years ago. So my answer is uh, that it, it's kind of a change of myself, but I have a bad habit of projecting myself to death. 
and I am really good at taking on things that really have nothing to do with preaching and then wondering why later I have no time to do the work that I need to do preaching. Uh, like uh, directing a camp, taking that on in a, in a year and things <laughs> like that. So I have a hard time saying no to, uh, to, to what, what are good projects, but honestly they, are, they do take you away from the work in the kingdom although I could argue that is also kingdom work, but, uh, but it, is, it is one of those things of, uh, I'm, I'm bad about that. I'm currently building a patio, building a deck, you know, moving an office. You know, I, I, I could give you a list of 30 projects I'm currently in the middle of, and you know, it takes me forever to get anything done. So uh, that, that, that's a personality defect of, of my own. Thank you for listening, and I hope that this conversation has been enjoyable for you. Maybe give you some insight into what it means to be a minister. There is one more part to this conversation, so make sure you tune in for part three of this great conversation I had with Terry, Keith, and Edwin. Until next time.